The moment I had the needle in my arm, I, I started crying. I'm even feeling emotional talking about it. And it wasn't because there was pain, but because there was relief. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Words, a bite-sized podcast about the significant and strategic choices that we can all make in order to become, yes, the best version of ourselves. My name is Dr. Michael Brown. I am the host of Three Words, and I have the privilege, as I have often had the privilege, of not only raising this guest on Three Words, but actually welcoming him, my oldest son, onto the set for yet another podcast conversation. Now, sometimes he's not quite the expert. I am, and he's just along for the ride. But today, the soon-to-be Dr. Justin Michael Brown, four months from now, um, he is the expert, and I'm going to follow along with him. So, Justin, our three words for today. Thank you, Dad. And and just a kind of a quick caveat, I'm not the expert, I'm not an infectious disease doctor. I very much submit to and defer to, to those individuals that really study this. But because of my medical education and is soon to be a family physician myself, my three words for today are get the vaccine. I think this is a timely conversation. Do you not, viewers and listeners? Because obviously we are in the middle. Well, hopefully not the middle. Hopefully the second half of a global pandemic, hmm. COVID-19. Instruct us, teach us, give us some insight on those three words, Justin. Sure. Get the vaccine. So uh, I think the importance of this this conversation needs to be set up by a conversation just about the coronavirus. Um, COVID-19 has been incredibly destructive, hmm. um, not only in our country, but in our entire world. That at this point, at the time of this recording, over 100 million cases in the entire world, um, over 2 million deaths in the whole world. And in our country alone, there have been 25 million cases and over 425,000 deaths. So yes, COVID is a big deal. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. <laughs> it's a big deal. And, and you and I both and our family and, and for those that are listening to us today, all of us have been touched by COVID-19. At this point, some of us in varying degrees and obviously with the virus, 80%, they do quite well. 15% have to go to the hospital. 5% are in the ICU and, and, uh, you know, one, one and a half, two percent actually are dying from this. Mm -hmm. Um, and for many of those that don't die, as our friend Dan Costello, who we had on a few months ago with a conversation about his own experience with COVID-19, continued persistent symptoms for quite a long deal of time. So this is a serious thing. It's a big problem. And it's been, it's been a hard, hard year. And it's not just for the elderly. In fact, as you know, as I work on campus at Bowling Green State University, there are 18, 19, 20 year olds mm -hmm. who are struggling profoundly after their diagnosis. One gentleman, particularly who I talk to on a regular basis, he's had a migraine for over 100 days. Mm -hmm. And he is completely healthy, no pre-existing conditions. And obviously as well, we know people who have perished yeah. from this. Uh, and what I'm hearing is, is that 4,000 people a day are now dying in America. That's where we're at, at, at the point of this recording. 4,000 people yeah. a day. 
So, Dad, let me tell you about my experience with getting the vaccine. Okay. I, I was so blessed as someone who's in the medical field and is pursuing my medical degree that I was in that kind of early phase 1A of the of the distribution period for the vaccine. And I, as I went to the Lucas County Health Department Recreation Center and I stood in line, I just, I felt like I was beaming. I was so excited. Mm. The moment I had the needle in my arm, I... I started crying. I'm even feeling emotional talking about it. And it wasn't because there was pain, mm. but because there was relief. Mm. Um, I think it's been a hard year for yeah. many people. I myself have performed CPR on patients with COVID, wow. not knowing how it was going to end up for them and for their families. And uh, just the the experience of of getting this vaccine as quickly as it's come, it's an incredible blessing and a, and a gift. And I felt so relieved. Wow. And additionally, so grateful for the healthcare providers that are on the front lines that have been protecting us up until this vaccine has come. And, and, and even now in the distribution period that retired nurses and uh, firefighters and everybody is getting a hand on this. There, there's, you know, plans for the military to become involved in the distribution. This is a team effort. And I'm so grateful that because of scientists and researchers and volunteers and government agencies that we have come to this point where we can actually begin to turn the tides mm. on this virus and that we will see this chapter of this pandemic come to a close. And yeah. I have a lot, a lot of hope for the future because of this vaccine. Well, and we've seen this in the past. And again, I'm not a doctor in this sense. I'm in higher education. My PhD is in higher education. Yours is obviously uh, in the medical field, but haven't we been here before with other global pandemics where now we've eliminated, if not decreased significantly, right. major, major diseases yeah. um, across the world because of vaccinations? Sure. And, and even specifically to talk about, there's kind of this idea of, well, why would I get a vaccine for uh, polio? No one has polio anymore. Mm. Well, it's, that's the reason no one has polio anymore is because, or, or very few people have polio anymore is because of the vaccine. Similarly, smallpox w mm. would, would go through entire countries and through the world and was killing people. Yeah. And now, oh, smallpox isn't really a thing in our world right now. And, and so too, it could be in the future with, COVID-19. So um, I'd love to answer a few kind of questions about the virus uh, and specifically about the vaccine. The first question is, is it safe? Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of conversations about, well, is, is this safe? It, it was developed very quickly. And while that definitely was the case, um, a lot of the, the speed of mm -hmm. why this vaccine came so quickly is not because corners were cut, but because red tape was cut. Wow. The the bureaucracy, the slowness of our medical systems and the uh, the authorization experiences and the steps in those processes, the red tape was cut. The the trials and the the research that was done, there were no corners cut there. It was mm -hmm. done exceptionally well. And in terms of safety, the majority of people are going to have very minor side effects, if any, from, from the COVID-19 vaccine, such as um, a sore arm, maybe they'll feel a little bit tired, uh, get a fever. Um, and in regards to, you know, if there's any really severe reactions that some people can have, indeed, 
Um, but that's one in a hundred thousand about is what we're seeing right now. And what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, that happens oftentimes in the first 15 minutes right? when they can be nearby. When they're watching you. Yes. That's a, <laughs> right. that's a part of, for those who are listening and viewing that, that when they get the vaccine, they will be required to stay put in the vaccine distribution site for 15 minutes. Okay. Um, and that is so that if they have any sort of reaction that they have medical providers right there that can respond to them. But yeah, so as far as a, uh, an, a severe allergic reaction, only one in a hundred thousand people that happens to. So if we think about the 1% death rate of COVID-19, if we use 1% versus 0.001%, you are 1,000 times more likely to die of COVID if you get COVID than you are to have a severe reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine. Interesting. We've not talked about this, but did right. you have a reaction? You had your first of two doses. What happened sure. to you? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 for me, I felt some arm soreness and that was my experience. That was it? That was it. That and was that, a small price to pay. <laughs> it was. I would, you know, I've, I've been saying I would, even if I had, you know, less minor side effects in terms of, oh, if I got a fever, or if I got a headache, um, for me, I would rather take two, three days of being tired and have a fever than for many people, two weeks. And for some people, two months yeah. <laughs> of symptoms and fatigue and just like, oh, I just can't get going. So, and so that's kind of short-term side effects. As far as long-term side effects, there's not a lot of data at this point, but right. I am, my understanding of vaccines is that so rarely are there long-term side effects to any vaccine mm -hmm. in general, just because of the way that vaccines work. So what they do is they basically give uh, an injection of a part of a virus or a protein or an element in your body that your body naturally, if it got that virus, would respond to so that the next time you would come into contact with that particular, uh, we call it an antigen or that type of protein, that it would, your body would respond more quickly. So there's really actually, it's a natural process of, of experiencing vaccination and building up this sort of immunity. So this notion, Justin, that I'm just going to kind of not get the vaccine if someone says this, sure. because I want to, I want to just fight it off naturally. Right. What I'm hearing you say is vaccination actually stimulates a natural response. Right. Exactly. Okay. It's a very it's similar helpful. thing to if you have chicken pox, your body is going to, to fight off the chicken pox. And the next time that your body comes into contact with chicken pox, it's going to fight it off so quickly that you don't even really develop the infection. So we've talked about the safety of COVID-19's vaccine, but I want to talk about how effective it is. Okay. And this vaccine is actually one of the most effective vaccines ever. Um, at, at rates of 94, 95% effectiveness for both of the current, uh, authorized mm -hmm. vaccines that we have in the United States. So, you know, this is more effective than your flu vaccine. This is more effective than your measles vaccine. This is more effective than your chicken pox vaccine. And in, in fact, it's one of the most effective vaccines ever. Why is that? Why is that? Yeah, I'm just curious. So the, the type of uh, research that they use and the kind of the mechanism of this vaccine being an mRNA virus uh, kind of vaccine is what they actually do is instead of giving you any part of the virus, they're actually teaching your body to make a piece of the spike on the outside of the virus. So there's no virus being put into your body at all. And it's actually teaching you to fight one of the components of the virus mm. um, by making that component yourself for that brief period of time. 
if your mother was here, she would say you're welcome, son, because she gave you a fantastic <laughs> IQ. Because <laughs> that didn't come from dad. No, I appreciate you explaining that to yeah, me. Yeah, and fantastic. it's so effective because of the fact they they believe that it's because kind of this this new science, which in one way is new because it's the first vaccine that's really being authorized to be used in this way. But these types of mRNA vaccines have been in research and in development for 10 years. Okay. Um, so this is not a new thing and it's, it's incredibly effective. We're so, just implementing some decade long research in a situation definitely. that is happening now. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm very encouraged, um, about what I've read about, what I've seen about. I trust the science and I believe it, but I want to transition this conversation into why do we not trust science? Why as we America, why as, as Americans, why as human beings do we struggle to trust in science? I think that there are several reasons. Okay. Um, the first is I think science can be really confusing. <laughs> the terminology, the the amount of education required, even as I'm reading through the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines studies and they're pages long and some of the statistics, I can't wrap my mind around. And, and I've been through a good deal of education to try to understand these things. So confusing terminology leads us to not trust science. I think additionally, in our world, we, scale, we celebrate skepticism. Uh, that we think, you know, if I'm not easily fooled, if I'm thinking critically, if I, you know, I don't, I don't trust the government, I don't trust scientists, that it makes us somehow noble and it makes us somehow, um, you know, not easily fooled and more critical thinking. I think additionally, we can be, we can be led by emotions over reality sometimes. I think additionally, um, we often have our minds made up that if we acknowledge science and if we trust in science, we might have to change our minds about things that we don't like. We don't. We know well, it requires humility. It does, especially if I've been trumpeting a particular perspective, if I have been touting a certain idea, and then mm-hmm. I have to say I was wrong. Right. I think differently now. We tend yeah. to think that's weakness, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, and we talk about this all the time in our father-son conversations. Changing and evolving. And maturing is a good thing. Yeah. And we can think differently about things at 40 than we did at four. And I think too, that's another reason why we don't trust science is because recommendations change. Um, And I think early on, they were saying, don't wear a mask. Don't wear a face covering. Don't do that. And so that I've been hearing from some of my friends. That's one of the reasons, well, they changed their minds on the If they would have just said that from the beginning. Yes. So why did that happen? Right. And it's because there were as a shortage of masks. Mm. And I, I'm sure people have heard this, this conversation before that there were a shortage of masks for direct care providers. So the encouragement was don't go buying up and stealing yeah. the masks out of your, in my doctor's office that we were at, we were like, where are all the masks? Cause patients were taking them because they were so concerned. Similarly, where's all the toilet paper? People were hoarding it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. changing recommendations that sometimes people can look at that and say, see, the scientists are lying to us. They don't mm. know what they're doing, but in reality, we're actually, because the science and the evidence is getting stronger and more accurate and more focused that that's why recommendations change. And then I think the last reason that I really want to share today about why we distrust science is I think the, the legitimate one. And that is that we, there are concerning realities Mm. that for historically scientists um, have done wrong by Mm. people in our world. And I think in particular to speak of 
um, the U.S. government experimenting on black men with syphilis, um, mm. forcing sterilization of black women in our country, even present-day inequities where a black or brown patient is less likely to have a doctor talk to them about their diet or about exercise because the doctor thinks that it will be less worthwhile. Um, mm. I think additionally, you know, when doctors have have not communicated well with you in the past, when doctors have done an inadequate job explaining what's going on and leaving you confused, leaving you feel with your concerns discredited and disregarded, I think that there has been wrong done to people. And mm. I think as a healthcare profession and as a medical system, we have to own that. But I would just encourage those that are listening and for those of whom that is the case where they don't trust science because of these concerning realities, I would just encourage them to please consider, um, to, to, to please take into account that even though you've been burned and hurt in the past by select individuals or even the system as a whole historically, that there is much benefit to following the science and to trusting in into believing in science. But don't we also hear, I appreciate your perspective of on course. that son, but don't we also hear conflicting scientific reports? This scientist says, and this scientist says, right. thus, if I can use the term conspiracy theories, how sure. has conspiracy theories factored their way into this conversation about vaccines and COVID-19? Yeah. I have folks around me who are, who are, talking about these various theories. Sure. And, and I guess I, I'm not as familiar with all the different conspiracy yes. theories. I, I tend to try to, to really look at reputable sources um, and be really investigating those. Um, but if I could speak about this idea of conflicting evidence, mm. that oftentimes science, when research studies are performed, we begin with information that is weak, evidence that is weak. And we progressively try to to develop and to create studies that will give us stronger and stronger evidence. And I think mm -hmm. at times there is really weak evidence out there that is trumpeted uh, publicly mm -hmm. by uh, those that either don't quite understand that it's weak evidence or maybe those that are intentionally trying to misinform for, mm -hmm. for whatever reason that might be. So I think that you know, most conspiracy theories, though not all of them, maybe are based on some weak piece of evidence gotcha. somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I've even heard a lot of concern about the COVID-19 vaccine negatively impacting fertility for women. And if I could just speak to that, Please. that the reason that I think this is spread around is because of the reality that that pregnant women were excluded from the vaccine studies. So there is a lack of data to support that, you know, we can't definitively and with strong confidence say that it is for sure safe for women who are pregnant to, or breastfeeding to be able to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's any evidence out there at all that would demonstrate that it's actually harmful. Um, so when there's evidence or when there's conspiracy and ideas of, oh, this is, this is going to hurt my fertility. I'm not going to be able to have kids in the future. The, there's no evidence to support that that won't happen. And there's right. no evidence to support that that will happen. Um, so I think that's where a lot of some of these conversations of conflicting evidence, uh, and conspiracy theories can develop because 
you know, we, as, even with the COVID-19 vaccine, we, uh, the scientists are not saying right now that they are confident that the COVID-19 vaccine reduces transmission of the virus, which is why we're encouraged to still wear our masks. And that's not because mm-hmm. they have found that it doesn't reduce transmission, but that they haven't found that it does uh, reduce transmission. And there is actually some really encouraging evidence that both of the two currently authorized vaccines do potentially reduce transmission, do potentially reduce asymptomatic as well as symptomatic infections, and even will potentially reduce um, the severity of infections if you do get them. Um, but but they're really, really cautious to say it does reduce transmission because well, we we're not gonna, we're not just going to presume yeah. things. We're not going to to say things. I, I even heard uh, a physician on on TV the other day say, you know, when I don't know the answer to a question, I'm going to be really, really careful that I am not just going to make up an answer and I'm not just going to guess, but that I am actually yeah. going to follow the science. So I'm hearing what I would sense is your recommendation. Um, are there other recommendations? Like, how would you? What would your recommendation? Be this. I want to hear specifically, definitely, to those who would say, Justin, should I get the vaccine? Definitely. So, my encouragement to to those that are listening in and those that are watching our podcast today is: here are a couple of vaccine best practices. Follow the science. Believe and trust and explore reputable sources. Um, talk to your doctor if you have any concerns or hesitancy, or if you have any questions or specific medical conditions that, that you might be wondering, should I get the vaccine? But all in all, my recommendation for the majority of individuals is that this vaccine is safe, it is effective, and it brings us hope and relief that we can get on the other side of this pandemic. So my encouragement to those listening today, get the vaccine. For life coaching, consulting services, or to hire a keynote speaker, please visit dmbcoaching.com.